What can we learn from the way national security government organizations buy security? That's the question we'll be exploring on this week's Cracking Cybersecurity podcast. I'm your host, Anna Delaney, editor at Ties, and this week I'll be speaking with XBAE Systems Cybersecurity Technical Director and now co founder of Garrison, Henry Harrison. He advises on the mindset and strategies companies should adopt when buying security and tells us what we can learn from government organizations in their approach to security. Here he is in answer to the question, what's the difference between the way national security government organizations buy security and the way mainstream organizations buy security? I think there are, there are two um, differences. One. One is, is a kind of architectural difference that comes from where they've come from historically, the two markets. But the starkest difference we see, because we engage with both these markets on a daily basis, and the starkest difference we see is that um, when you go to see a national security organization in, in various countries, um, and you go and tell them, hello, I've got a great security product, their starting point is, yeah, right. Uh, uh, the starting product would be, yeah, I, you know, people come in and tell me that like 10 times a day, they're all rubbish, they're all full of holes, I don't believe you. Um, and that's the starting point for the conversation. Uh, and when you go to see a commercial organisation in general, you walk into the room and the starting point for the discussion is, well, yeah, I trust you, of course, if you say you've got a security product, you've got a security product. Um, and that is a very, very different Start, starting point even for, for a discussion. Um, Why is there that difference, do you think? Well, I think it is, it, it, it's, quite, it's not a single reason I think it's structural, right? I think partly historical in the sense, well, all of it is historical, I guess, but the, 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 the first reason has to do with the different threat, that they, where they've come from, right? So for 20 years or more, arguably since the Second World War, right, and, and like code-breaking enigma and that, that kind of stuff, um, national security organizations have been very, very familiar with the idea that this, this is a serious, sophisticated issue and that it's hard. It's really, really hard to keep things secure. So they've been doing that for a very long time. Um, but, you know, and that's, that doesn't imply that these days, you know, people in the commercial market are aware of that. You know, we're aware that we face sophisticated threats and, and that it's hard. But I think that the, the difference is that the the governments have, have been given that they've had to face that for decades, have come up with structures for asking difficult questions about security. So com- countries typically have a national technical authority. Uh, so in the UK, that's GCHQ. In the US, that's the NSA, and so on and so forth. And these are typically poacher and gamekeeper organizations. So they're involved both in attacking people and in defending. And so they, and they, and they have been set up to ask difficult questions about security and to do really deep, ask really deep questions about products to say, are these any good? And they've been doing that a long time. But doing that sort of thing is really expensive. I mean, so finding out whether a product is actually any good or not is not a cheap thing to do. It's, it's really quite hard. And we can talk about, I'll, I'll give you some examples of that in a moment, but it's a hard thing to do. And if you take any individual bank, even if you expect some of the largest banks in the world, they don't have the resources, the structures to be able to ask those sorts of questions about security products. Because if they tried to ask that level of 
question about every security product they were going to use. They'd you know, run out of money. They'd be spending all their money on that. And so there is no culture or, hi or history. There's no um, organizational structure. There's, no, there's basically nothing there to really ask those questions. And so typically when we talk to people in, in the commercial market, they start with, well, I have no choice. I have to, I have to trust the vendors because there's, there's nothing else to be done about it. So I think there's some structural differences there, and that may or may not sustain. And one of the, one of the questions to, to, um, to try and you know, think our way through is, well, if in fact you think that maybe there needs to be more convergence in the way they approach security because they're facing similar threats, then how do you get those sorts of structures in place so that some of those commercial buyers can ask those difficult questions a two-hour meeting does not reveal to you the fact that, okay, well, there is some serious thing. How are you going to find that out? Well, the answer is you're going to spend a year going into real detail about what there is, what there's not. You're going to run some really hard um, technical tests. You're going to review people's designs. You're going to review their source code. You're going to look at, you know, you're going to do really deep-level stuff. And unsurprisingly, commercial organizations just generally speaking, aren't set up for that. We run across one or two where they're beginning to move in that direction and they're actually doing some work internally on that kind of stuff. What, what are they doing they that's different? How would you advise organisations to get up to speed? Well, so I think, I think I I'm not sure that it's, it's entirely feasible to say you get up to speed. I mean, you know, if you're, if you, if you're an average enterprise, you can't expect to spend a whole year in depth with a team looking at a product. It's not it's a way realistic way to do it. So what we always say, and it's ironic that we're saying it, is don't trust us, we're a vendor, right? I mean, so I'm not suggesting that vendors are, are, are fraudulent. I don't think in general that vendors are fraudulent. But there is a strong motivation to persuade yourself that your product is better than it actually is and that then to persuade customers as well. And not to ask your, even yourself the really difficult questions because they're really, really hard. Um, so I think we tend to start with say, actually, you're going to have to start from the perspective that you probably shouldn't trust the vendor when they walk in and say what they do. And, but that doesn't matter. Well, what the hell am I going to do in that case? And I think right now, if you're not going to trust the vendor, who else are you going to trust? And in the current market, probably, you, you, you're probably going to need to trust some of those national governments because they're the only people that really are paying attention to it. But there are other options, and I think the market may start to move in those directions to pay more attention, for example, to independent third-party testing results, not to buy products that aren't willing to submit their product for independent third-party security testing, um, and so on. And, and some of these things are ideas that have been explored in the past, but they were generally not particularly um, followed up on because the threat levels weren't as high 10, 15 years ago. But we need to reopen some of the things, you know, independent testing, you know, looking for third-party validation rather than just like listening to the plausible story from a, from a you know, silver-tongued CTO who tells you that they've got a brilliant product. Obviously, on which note, I'm now the silver-tongued CTO going to tell you I've got a brilliant product, yeah. but that's... Um, but don't you think companies are becoming more discerning about investing in, in security? Because, I mean, a few years ago, yeah. they might have chucked money at the problem, but now the board is asking them quite 
you know, careful questions and is it worth investing? Well, that's why I think it's, I do think it's an exciting time because, I mean, it's, 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 it cuts both ways. So as, a, as a vendor, I can tell you that, but you're, you're absolutely right, buyers are much more cynical than they used to be, which, is, which in many ways is brilliant and is absolutely the right thing. They've spent a lot of money on security products and don't seem to have got quite the benefit that they were hoping for when they committed all that spend. And, and they know it's, it's so wide, you know, it's the human threat and then there's um, indeed. multiple other threats um, there's lots of threats, which they can't control. But also there's lots of products that aren't quite delivering the level of value that they had hoped for when they, when they invested in those products in the first place. And so, you know, obviously as a vendor in some ways that's really frustrating because um, buyers are quite hard to get in touch with right now. So I've seen the inbox of, of you know, CISOs, for example, and every third email is from a vendor saying, hello, we really need to meet because I've got something great for you. And they've heard it a hundred times before and they're not paying attention any longer. So there's some bad things for that because they've got to, buy, they've got to do something. Um, but there's also a really good thing, which is that, that people are starting to move in the direction of a bit more cynicism uh, about some of the claims that are being made there. And the question is, how do we fix that so that people can make informed and effective decisions about what is and what isn't and how do you do that? effective to do? <laughs> yeah, so I think that's where I say, I think, I think that one of the answers is probably moving towards relying on more third-party validation um, that is you know, not just about what the vendor's claims are, but about... What, what work have you done to actually look at whether this vendor's claims are backed up by the reality, for example. And I think we're beginning to see it, but it's still very, very early days. You said that you I mentioned think. the difficult questions that you have to ask yourself. Yeah. What would they be? So I think, um, I think when you sell product, particularly when you sell security product, um, it's an IT product, right? I mean, that, that, that's what we were in the IT market. And... Uh, everybody knows that, you know, when you go and sell IT market, people ask for features, right? That's what, what they ask for. And like, do you integrate with this? Do you integrate with that? Do you do this? Do you do that? And these are important things. They're they're really important because enterprise IT is really complicated, and you do need to integrate with all those things. The the problem is that delivering features, there's always a tension between delivering features and delivering security. Um, because security is a pain, right? I mean, like, IT would be a lot better if we didn't need security. If we didn't need security, like, just think of all the value we could unlock tomorrow. Stop messing around having to worry about whether this is secure. We could just get on and do stuff, and it would be fantastic. We would create value left, right, and center. And unfortunately, security gets in the way. Um, uh, but it's... And, and therefore, there's a, there's, a, there's a tendency to... You know, because that's difficult, that tension, there's a tendency to, to, to want to go, yeah, yeah, I know there's a bit of a trade-off security, but the customer wants the feature, so we must deliver the feature. And generally speaking, in product management, the feature wins because that's what the customer's asking for. Um, and for most IT products, that, you know, there's a, there's a reasonable trade-off, right? Because you're, if you're building an operating system, while you're doing all these useful things, You've got to weigh that up against security, and yeah, it's like okay, well, where should we put? If you're delivering a security product, yeah, then the balance is a bit different, right? Because actually, if you deliver lots of useful features, but at the expense of security, and you're a security product, 
then that is not necessarily a great trade to make. Yeah, and then you tend to get into a. I mean, we and I'm very familiar with this. You, you get into a kind of you know psychological process of persuading yourself that the trade's not that bad and that actually it'll be a, yeah actually it's reasonable and it's a fair you know. Um, and, and so that's the really, that's what I mean by the really hard question, which is trying to maintain a, 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 you know, try to remember at all points that actually the core of your product is security, and that if you don't deliver on that, then, like, why are you here in the first place? Right? And so. They talk a lot about the public sector learning from the private sector. Yeah. But what can private companies actually learn from? The government and the way they yeah. classify and secure themselves. So I think I think we we've already learned quite a few things um, that way. So the first thing that that was learned was 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 around monitoring. Um, so ten years ago, I used to go around um, uh, kind of FTSE 100, Fortune 1000 type businesses, and talk to uh, board members about cybersecurity, and they would often say to me. Well, first thing they would usually say, cybersecurity. I think there's a guy called Bob in IT who deals with that. And the second thing they would say, why are you telling me this? Like, you know, I'm, I'm a business person, not a spy. Like, what's this all about? And the world's changed dramatically. And, and what I was doing back then was I was part of an initiative building a kind of monitoring uh, security operations center platform, um, uh, really, you know, trying to look for evidence of sophisticated intrusions inside networks and so on. And people go, oh, this is a sledgehammer to crack a nut, you know, really. I mean, you know, there's a guy called Bob in IT who does firewalls. And now, you know, 10 years later, everybody, it's, it's all about monitoring. Everybody's building their, got or building their security operations center. It's, and where did that come from? That came out of that high-end government area. And people have been, in order to staff those things, people have been going out and taking people out of government organizations, military, GCHQ, the NSA, you know, there's been this outpouring of people who've been, you know, lured by the, by the salaries of the private sector to come and build, essentially, intelligence functions inside private sector organizations. And that was inconceivable 10 years ago. So there's been an extraordinary thing that's gone on there. The second thing that typically has been learned at varying levels, but the high-end enterprise, is around classification. So the idea of being more formal in defining what, how much we care about different systems and different data uh, when we're trying to build our our, our, our security, and culturally, you know, quite hard because it involves admitting that this isn't as important as that, and that, that you know that there's there's always political issues behind that, and you know, but nonetheless, there have been some really big programs in large enterprise looking at trying to define classification systems so that they can identify what are the things they really, really care about. Um, and then the third thing you then need to do is protect those things better. And that is the bit that's only really begun. So there's been a little bit, generally speaking, what we tend to see are policies that say, okay, well, if this is the stuff we really, really care about, then it must be encrypted. Right? That's, that's, that's the starting point. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but encryption is, protects against one particular class of attack. It doesn't protect against somebody who gets in your IT systems or on your desk, on your endpoint, for example, because if you can decrypt it, then somebody who's got on your endpoint can also decrypt it. And that's the sort of thing that's the next phase, I think, of learning from that high-end government.
Thanks to Henry. That's all we have time for, unfortunately. If you do like our podcasts, please do subscribe and rate our shows, as well as voting for us in the EU Security Awards, where we've been nominated for two awards this year, Best New Cybersecurity Podcast and Best Cybersecurity Podcast. Details of how to cast your votes are enclosed in the show notes. Thanks for all your support. For now, it's bye from us. Join us next time for more Cyber Conversations.